Good evening, folks, on this Sunday night, March 3rd. We're on with you this morning talking with Troy Mahabir of Knicks Recap, saying here's how the Cavs can beat the Knicks. Here's what the Cavs can do against the Knicks. Well, we are about, what, 55 minutes out since the game ended, and the Cavs did not come to play. It really does not matter when you look back at this that Donovan and Karras did not play. All right, they weren't around, and that is what it is. Jalen Brunson got hurt two possessions into the game. The Knicks didn't make an excuse. They plugged in Miles McBride, who signed an extension earlier in the season as the backup point guard, and he played the entire game, no questions asked, 47 minutes. Josh Hart pretty much played the entire game. He had 13, 19, and 10. Dude was so comfortable, he was batting down in the chest after hitting the biggest shot of the night. The Knicks don't have OG. The Knicks don't have Julius. The Knicks don't have Brunson. All right, this game was on national television. This is the first of three games this week the Cavs play on national TV. These are the opportunities where you make a name for yourself as a team taking the next step as a possible contender in this league. Okay, Donovan Mitchell is a free agent at the end of next season. Yes, he was not available. It happens. Injuries stink. He's now missed four of the last seven games. All right? He's not going to play 82. It is what it is. He, he was out. Karis LeVert has now missed two in a row, okay? Beat the Pistons in the last one, but the game before the Pistons game, you know, you, you take a look at things. And who'd they lose to? The Chicago Bulls. They gave up 75 rebounds. Wait, say that number again, Zach? Okay. They gave up 75 rebounds to the Chicago Bulls. Remember in the first round last year when – the Knicks were dominating on the glass. It wasn't only Mitch and Hartenstein, but it was Josh Hart. All right. The Knicks were very shorthand. The Knicks are playing desperate. The Knicks are barely keeping their head out of the play-in right now, truth be told, with the state of their roster. Okay. The Knicks had 10 players available, nine of them suited up. Well, the only difference was what? Charlie Brown Jr. Their bench got 44 points from three guys. Sam Merrill did his thing. He made seven threes. Sam Merrill was actually the Cavs' leading scorer tonight. I don't think that's happened while they've had any of Garland or Mobley in the game. Struess might have gotten hurt. You know, there's, statistically speaking, there's a lot of different things you can nitpick from this game. Cavs shot 45% from the field. They turned the ball over 10 times. It's really not bad. 17 of 44 from three. But, Here's my problem. First off, they only got to the free throw line eight times. All right. No free throws from any of the guards. Struce Garland, nothing. Merrill's a three-point guy, so be it. Allen, two for four. Mobley, one for three. Isaac, 0 for one. They got three free throw line trips outside of their two and ones. Three for eight's not going to cut it. No. Now, the Knicks were seven of ten. It's not like they dominated at the line. Nick shot 41% from three. They only had nine turnovers. They managed to take care of the ball. But when you're facing a team that's this shorthanded, okay, the Cavs grabs 39 rebounds. The Knicks grabs 47. How the hell is that possible? Hartenstein got 22 minutes. Jericho Sims got 21 minutes. Chua got 21 minutes. None of these guys played heavy, heavy run. You allowed Josh Hart to grab 18 defensive rebounds. He was boxing you out. You let the Knicks block nine of your shots. Okay, look, I understand this is one game. 
And some of you might be saying, bro, stop overreacting. Dude, you got to keep an even an even head about this. It's one game. It is arguably the most important one game out of the 60 that the Cavs have played, however. And that is why this is so important. To lose like this on national television to a Knicks team down 80% of their starting lineup is a really bad sign. If that's what's happening, if that's what's taking place, there's larger problems. NBA teams win without players all the time. Now, yes, the Knicks did that. You have to give them credit for what they did do tonight. And I'm sure their fan base absolutely loves it, as they should. But we're not on that side. This is the Cavs side of things. We don't love it. We don't like it. We're not okay with a game like this. You know, they're four and five in their last nine. They lost their rhythm clearly post-All-Star break. And nothing about this game other than the 31 assists on 39 baskets. It's very nice to see the ball moving like this. To see Sam Merrill playing 28 minutes was a wonderful sight. They didn't win. The rotations still need a lot of work. And this is game 60. It doesn't matter who's available. It's got to be more than eight minutes for Craig Porter if Donovan's out. There's not much faith in him on the court, it looks like, right now. But he can make plays. That stretch to end the third quarter was all Craig. He locked eight minutes for the game. George Niang has been struggling. That, that is true. 0 for 6 tonight, two rebounds and assists. But he's had his moments. I would You don't go the route of taking him out completely. But maybe the likes of George and Dean and some of these other guys off the bench go on a game-by-game -game basis, feel it out as you should. If someone's not playing well, it's tough. Okay. It's not your day. We can't afford to have you in for too much longer. That's it. Let's remember that George has had some massive games that Dean has shot well at times this year that, that they combined to go over 10 was just unfortunate. Over eight from deep on shots that they can both certainly make in this league. Dean is a defender at such a high level. Niang can space the floor. He's been, he's the most winning player still. And that still matters over the last five, six years while being in the rotation every single season of being on these teams. A couple of things that this loss brings to the forefront. The first, Tristan Thompson has been suspended now for 18 games. He has seven more to serve should he rejoin the rotation upon joining the team in a couple of weeks. And to me, there is no question that Tristan Thompson should join the Cavs. Proven time and time again throughout the season that he's tough. He's an enforcer on the defensive end. He's going to get after it on the glass on both sides. He's going to draw extra fouls. He's going to give you second chances. And he's not going to take crap from anybody. He's been in this league a long time. He's been to the pinnacle. He's won a ring already. And he's back hungry for more. When he comes back, you absolutely reinsert number 13 into your rotation to play 10 to 15 minutes a game. You can decide on a game-by-game -game basis, should it be Dean or Niang as a result, because you want to play bigger without only using Mobley Allen. You want to change it up, throw Tristan into that mix. 
He's proven this year that he can handle those types of minutes and those types of situations. The second is about the head coach. We've had these discussions a lot, and there's no reason to make a change now. This would happen at the end of the season, but should JB stick around long-term? A lot of people might be saying no. They think he's getting out-coached by some of these other, these other individuals, that he hasn't been able to fix his game plan, that he's not running the offense correctly. There's a whole lot of things. What I do still see is a team that's 39-21, and 21, coming off a 50-win season. They lost a round one of the Knicks last year. They still seem to be having problems with the Knicks now. So if they meet in the first round, just be ready. That's all you can really say. My personal thoughts on JB is if they don't do anything in the playoffs, he's gone. And it's tough. Because I don't genuinely want to see this man fired. To see him not with the organization. He's been here, what, four or five years now. He's helped build the identity. He brought them through the mud. You think about some of the coaches that helped get teams their first opportunity going through rebuilds and sticking around to win. Maybe JB is just the Cavs' Brett Brown, right? The coach that was there for some dog days. Helped get them out of the mud as they acquired more talent. But struggled to make the noise in the playoffs. Quinn Snyder, mostly all success with the Utah Jazz, for all the winning they did in the regular season, could not do it in the playoffs. Now, there's plenty of coaches, if you go down that rabbit hole, that help teams make some noise, but could never get them all the way over the hump. Maybe uh, Terry Stotts, who started out in a rebuilding Portland team, got him to a conference finals. But other than that, so many playoff failures while he was there, and eventually they decided to go another direction. The new direction hasn't worked. Don't know what's happening in Portland. I don't even know how much they're being talked about, but this is not about the Blazers. Shout out Ashton Hagens, though. Four years out of the league, coming back, and giving them really solid minutes, showing that he might belong in the NBA. Very few guys get in, lose their chance, and four or five years later get a second opportunity and make the most of it. So good for Ashton Hagens on that note. Really deserves a shout-out. Plays his tail off on the defensive end of the floor. He's a really, really quality option for Portland as a facilitating point guard. He shouldn't be playing if Malcolm Brogdon and Scoot Henderson are, are both available. Brogdon's been on a long time. But good for Ashton Hagens. Take advantage of your opportunities. Something that Sam Merrill has done in Cleveland over the last year that Craig Porter did early in the season. It's unlikely that Amani Bates gets his contract converted, so he would not be available for the playoff. But is there any universe where the Cavs might say, hey, it's late in the season. Amani has been very good in the G League. We want to reward him at the NBA level. Couldn't say the last time he got rotational minutes for the Cavs outside of garbage time. It's been a couple of months. But hey, Amani has shown a lot in the G League. He's gotten some national attention. And we know the game that he can play. Maybe there's a world where Amani Bates gets some run. Who knows? Let's see what the Cavs become and what they turn into. And let's remember how important Karis LeVert is. Is one of the straws that stirs the Cleveland Cavaliers drink. Because Karis LeVert is a very impactful basketball player for this team. He had 15 assists a couple games ago. One of the six-man finalists. The Cavs have a very tough task ahead of them with Boston on Tuesday. 
Minnesota on Friday on TNT and ESPN. All you can do from here is put this Knicks game behind you and try and move forward. I know I'm not the only frustrated Cavs fan after watching this loss to the Knicks tonight. I know there's more of you out there. Reading the comments right now, interacting with some folks tonight. Some say that this is an overreaction, and some agree that things need to change because this is feeling a whole lot like last year. The Cavs weren't worried about games like this until the playoffs because they were in their first year. That was the bliss year. The Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Cavaliers both had their bliss seasons last year where they kind of came up from the mud, broke their playoff droughts, and got in. They both lost in the first round. So for the Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Cavaliers, if you don't make it to the second round this year, the eyebrows start to get raised. And you start to wonder, is it ever going to get better for us? That's it for today. Some questions answered for the Cavs. Hopefully Donovan Mitchell returns for the Boston showdown. Karras comes back. And the Cavs can stun the best team in the world. Zach White's with you. Cross the Cavs on Network 216. We'll see you real soon. Oh, <laughs>